Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast here on another brand week. We've got a lot to talk about. We're, we're days away from the TLC pay-per-view. Uh, 205 Live finally debuted this week. And it's interesting. I'll talk about it all in State of Wrestling. I would hope that that is where the cruiserweights are going to be concentrated on. I think that a, real, a really nice balance can exist between maybe using Raw as a promotional tour, tool to, to push people in the direction of 205 Live. But I'll talk about it all this week in the state of wrestling. Uh, first and foremost, we're going to start with the interview. That's right. That's right. Uh, we have a couple interviews this week because they're both short, so I figured I'd give them uh, both to you. Uh, I had the opportunity to catch up with some people. A couple of people. The first is Finn Balor. This was done at Ringside Fest. He was doing an autograph signing at Caroline's, and uh, WWE were nice enough to grant me the opportunity to talk to Finn Balor. Uh, it's certainly the first time I'd spoken to him since SummerSlam. Uh, and again, it was only for a couple minutes, but I feel like we learned a lot, not only about his injury, and he wasn't wearing a, a sling. So we got to learn a lot about his injury and what happened and everything and, and got some questions answered. By the way, both these interviews as well as my interview from last week with Colt Cabana, will be up on the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash notsam. But let's start this week's podcast with Finn Balor. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Backstage at Caroline's with the man himself, Finn Balor. Finn, what's the haps? What do you mean, what's the haps? Oh, no, not again. What do you mean, what's the haps? What's that? Everybody thinks they can curse in interviews now because Brock did. I know, I really want to. You do, right? Well, you can't. I know. You can't because you're, you're representing this company. Yes, I'm a professional. Yes. Yeah. Let me ask you something about representing the company. You were the champion for a, for a hot second. Is that a shot? No, no, no. One full shot? day. One full, you're the first universal champion. Oh, thanks. Yeah. All right, that's important. Yeah. But we were sitting there. We were at SummerSlam, yep. and we were all like, because when they first unveiled the title, it was a little lackluster, right? From the fans. Maybe. Maybe. So we were sitting there, and we were watching you, and you didn't hold the belt up when you won it. You held your arm up. Yeah. And I was sitting there being like, oh, he knows that they were being dicks about the belt, yeah. so he's not holding yeah. that up. I was like, so smart. Sami Zayn was of the same opinion. He goes, God, that guy's a genius. Yeah, that's what we were all saying. <laughs> and then the Yet in day, reality, when... Uh, you know, the crowd were like saying, I think that belt sucks. Yeah. I was working over Seth and I thought they're saying, Balor sucks. And I was like, God, they turned on me fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, all of a sudden you felt all this sympathy for Roman Reigns. You're like, I get it, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's not fair. <laughs> so you didn't even know. You thought they were chaining Balor stocks? Yeah, for a minute. Like, I knew they were booing the belt, but like when I, you know, I thought most of it was aimed at me. Yeah. 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 But, but in actuality, you weren't, it was because your arm was injured. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't lift it up. Wow. Yeah. And there's like one shot. I don't know if it aired on TV. But, like, right when I got back up to, like, on the stage, mm -hmm. like, the cameraman's right in my face, and he's saying, raise the belt up, raise the belt up, we need a shot with the belt up. I was yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh. And you're just, oh, like, shaking. Like, crunch, 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 <laughs> crunch, crunch. And I got it up. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't. And the doctor has no idea how I done that. You couldn't just Or switch. how I finished a match. Yeah, I could yeah, have. Yeah, you couldn't I just switch hands. I could have, yeah. But you got to get that <laughs> finger up, right? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta yeah, get, that's, that's my trademark. You got to get the finger yeah. up. <laughs> just crunching it up. So you didn't know, uh, you don't know how you finished that match. I don't remember how I finished it. I haven't watched it back. But you just, like, in those situations, you just go into, like, self-defense, like, autopilot mode. Yeah. And uh, that's, it's all adrenaline. that's what I done, yeah. When, does it, when did the adrenaline, like, wear off? Do you get back there and just... Mm, it, honestly, it didn't wear off, really, until maybe like Thursday when I got back to Orlando. Wow. Yeah, because we were just going like nonstop. So I didn't get to go to bed Sunday night because I did like, I was up to like 5 a.m. Then I went straight to GMA. Uh, GMA. Yeah. yeah. Good morning, America. With no sling. Right. With a devastating shoulder injury. With no right. sling. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just worked it out. Yeah. Then I uh, went to the hospital, got the results. 
they found out the injury, came straight back to Raw, done that, and then pretty much after Raw went straight to the airport to catch like a 6 a.m. flight to Birmingham, had the surgery at like noon on Tuesday. And uh, Wow, and then it all hit you like us. Uh, yeah, you know? and like, you know, I was, I was kind of out of it on the Wednesday and then flew back to Orlando on the Thursday, sat down and went, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're out of the sling now. Yeah. Does it feel yeah, last week. good? Like, did, Or do you feel um, like it's a little hurt? Like, like down here, I feel good, but, you know, i got to be real careful. Yeah. yeah. Do you know how long it's going to be before you're back? Um, the target's WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's talk. Could be sooner, but really that's that's the hard target, and uh, that's what I'm aiming for right now. Well, like, we're doing like six hours of rehab every day. Wow. Yeah, three hours That's like morning. Cena numbers. <laughs> <laughs> that's like for real. Yeah. Uh, yeah, three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon, and, uh, you know, the guys down in Birmingham, Alabama have been incredible. Yeah. So uh, I've been working out with them every day. Is there any part of you, like, do you get back and you're like, all right, I'll do anything, but I'm not taking that running power bomb again? Um, I won't do anything. I literally won't do anything. I'm just going to do a thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm just going to wear the paint and let everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I just do the entrance and Good. then yeah, just take Good. side ramp. Good. And last question. Yeah. Um, it seems like Gallows and Anderson are kind of in the middle of stuff right now. They're not really doing anything specific right now. Are you looking at them as somebody that you might want to do stuff with when you get back? What type of stuff? Anyway, that's what I'd ask you. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're busy with Enzo and Cass yeah. at uh, Helm the Cell. Obviously, there is that link and that history, and uh, the, you know that, that. that's that's always a possibility. But you know, I've kind of got my own things to, to handle first when I get back. Right. Uh, I'm sure someday that will happen. You know, we'll get a little BC revival going on. But uh, right now, I'm get just, I'm, yeah, right now I'm just worried about getting healthy, man. I haven't thought about like where I'm gonna be in the mix when I get back. You gotta get the big red and gold back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Well, have fun today. Thank you, Finn Balor. <laughs> that was a very official end of it. It really is. They're always so awkward ending. <laughs> hey, thanks, Ben Bonner. <laughs> Every one of them ends like, okay, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> that was Finn Balor. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back soon in WWE. I, I, they need him. I, I think I, just, you know, we were talking about the Royal Rumble last week. I, no, I, they don't need him. Because I think that Raw, and again, this is for State of Wrestling, but I think that Raw and SmackDown both, are doing extremely, extremely well. Raw specifically. The last two episodes of Raw have been better than they have been in a long, long time. And that's because they're slowly... It's more clear on SmackDown, but they seem to be slowly letting the reins off a little bit. And no, that is not a Roman Reigns pun. However, uh, I thought Balor was really good. My favorite part of the thing was hearing about his uh, holding up the title belt holding up the championship at the end of the night. I swear, I was giving him credit as if he was this genius who knew how the crowd was going to react, and it wasn't that at all. So funny. So funny. Uh, we're not done with the interview set portion of the podcast this week because we also have Daniel Bryan. This was at the same event, and uh, I was happy to talk to Daniel Bryan. It's the first time I've talked to him since I talked to uh, the Bellas two days before Brie announced she was pregnant, but also it's the first time I've talked to him since he started hosting Talking Smack. Now, obviously, he didn't host it this week. Mike Mizanin, not The Miz, Mike Mizanin, <laughs> awkward, hosted this week. Um, but And at the time that I talked to him, he that hadn't happened yet. This was a couple weeks ago, but still, I got to talk to Daniel Bryan about his role in the company, about uh, his future, about his about the Bellas, about the reality show, the whole thing. So here he is uh, back on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast for just a few moments. It's Daniel Bryan. Backstage at Caroline's on Broadway with Daniel Bryan. Once again, Daniel, what's the haps? Not much. I, uh, what? <laughs> well, uh, what's the haps? <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I saw it. You did. Yeah. I'm glad a lot of people saw it because in the moment I was like, if nobody sees this, I'm just like shitting my pants right. for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but Daniel Bryan, uh, first of all, I feel like a lot's been exposed about you recently in the uh, reality show. Yeah. You're, I feel like you're kind of a generally private person. Yeah. But how do you feel about like a lot of your uh, – like you, you come across as jovial – 
on yeah. like talking smack and stuff. Yeah. But we saw you get snippy, downright snippy and cranky. Yeah. Oh yeah. On, I, I on mean, total bellas. Well, see, and this is the thing. So for most of my life, I'm like very, I'm very, I'm very upbeat person. Yeah. Right. You've always but, been pleasant to me. Yes. But uh, when the cameras are around you all the time, and then that particularly was a very difficult time in my life. Right. And like. There's just there all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they and they're waiting. Yeah, and they're waiting. <laughs> they're waiting. They're waiting for you to explode. You said uh, you said that uh, the non-wrestling part of wrestling was the part that you don't like. Yes. And so the, the transition was going to be difficult. You've made the transition, and like Can I'm. I? Sh- <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure that a lot of people have told you how good talking smack is. Yeah. Like, do you enjoy talking smack? Sometimes. Sometimes not. Yeah. I mean, like. Sometimes I just like say things, right. and then sometimes in my earpiece it's like, "Why are you saying this?" <laughs> and then it's like, "Oh, isn't that what?" There needs to be more of that in wrestling. I feel yeah. like that's why the show has such a good no, yeah. reception because you're the only guy left that's like, "Whatever, guys." Well, the, the reason why is because like, okay, the reason why guys could do that before, yeah, like say in the attitude area, right? It, it, because it's like. Yeah, fire me. I'll go to WCW. Or in the territory area. Yeah, fire me. I'll go to a million different places. Right. Right? Now, fire me. Where are you going to go? Actually, don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Definitely don't fire me. Please don't fire me. I don't know how to do anything else. That's what I do. Literally, I've been doing this since I was 18. Right. I don't know how to do anything (laughs) else. But, yeah. But now now I'm like like the pool boy. Bree is like the... Bree's like the income generator, right? And I'm I'm the pool boy. So right. she does. She's got her reality shows. That they're uh, she's an executive producer on Total Bell. Really? Yeah. Her and her and Nicole. And so they've got. You didn't get that credit. No, no, no. no. <laughs> no. They, you know they're on. You know they're on Total Bellas, Total Divas. You know they're ambassadors for WWE. They've got this uh, undergarment line. Birdie B coming out. They're doing like a wine. They're, they've got all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, what are you doing? I'm. I'm. I'm a fictional GM, and I was uh, <laughs> well, talking smack. Yeah. So, yeah. And then WWE's like, maybe we'll make him an ambassador, and then they turn on talking smack. We're not going to make him an ambassador. We're not making him an ambassador. No. Every time we put him on interviews, he says something we don't want him to say. Right. So. Right. right. Um, but I also find that, like, what's good about it is that you seem to challenge people in characters. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, people will come on in their character, and yeah. you'll be like, explain to me. Without you won't say without breaking character, but in this character, why do you think you're better than everybody else? Why? Right. And these aren't questions that you say because if you don't know how to speak as the person you're portraying, you can look really bad. Yes. Uh, so my thing with talking smack is uh, is I want the our talent to mm-hmm. look really good. Right? right. So for example, I I was very Baron Corbin was on the show not was, last week but the week before. He was awesome. It's my favorite did, segment yeah, since yeah, the Miz thing. Yeah. yeah, did did great. And the key is is to not the show is not about Renee and I, right? right? Like we're just hosts, we're but we're there to try to bring stuff out of people to to help them. Somebody like Heath Slater and Rhino were on this week. They didn't even need us there, right? <laughs> right like they didn't right. need Renee and I there. They could have just talked, and they were so entertaining, yeah. right? But part of our job, and this is something I'm re- really still trying to learn, is bringing stuff out of it, but then leaving it on these guys, right? Like yeah. leaving it on Baron Corbin. Like don't try to one up him, right? right? Right. Like he says something. And then challenge him a little bit, but then, man, he has a really good point, and let's just leave it like that, right? You know, so like, uh, it, so when somebody comes on and like kind of lets you one up them without you even trying, are you in your head going like, what? What are you doing? Like, I you don't can... feel like I've really one upped anybody. Maybe it maybe in the first couple ones I might have because I wasn't like when Eva Marie was on. I was right, just, it was just very, very new, right? right? And I was just like, oh, okay, you know, yada yada, but. Uh, but other than that, you know, I, 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 Renee and I actively try to make it about the people. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, sometimes we don't do a very good job, but for the most <laughs> part, we try our best. So, how do you feel about Bree? She told when she was on the show, Bree said that after you guys have your kids, she's going to go back to wrestling. Yeah, she wants to have at least one more match after after she has the baby. Is that exciting to you, or are you like you? If I can't wrestle, you can't wrestle. That's no, not, <laughs> that's not. Fair. And that's that's never been how it was. Like uh-huh. it was never like. I'm retired, Bree, you can't wrestle anymore. It was, I, I have to retire. And so now she's like, well, 
now I want to retire so we can start this baby making process. Uh-huh. And uh, but no, she doesn't want to come back full time. But she wants that comeback story. She wants to prove like her and Nicole are all about women's empowerment, right? right. And this idea that okay, I want to have a baby and then I want to come back to wrestling and not just wrestling like. Oh, I'm going to do an independent show or something like that. I want to come back at the highest level, right? right. I want to come back to the WWE and that sort of thing. And so uh, th- she really has that as a goal in mind. Yeah. Do you, after getting all the positive response on everything you've been doing, do you see yourself more as a host? Are you more comfortable being like, oh, maybe I could host? Or are you still like, let me ride this contract out and then I'm going back? Well, it's weird. I don't, because I don't, it, the baby changes everything. Right. Right. You know, and so like, uh, for example, there are times that I really enjoy talking smack, mm-hmm. and there are times that, like, you know, you're traveling all that way to not <laughs> wrestle. Like, right. when I said, you know, like, if it was in Phoenix, right. right, if it was in Phoenix and I could go be the GM and I could go host talking smack, be like, yeah, this is the greatest job in the world. Uh-huh. But then, like, especially once we have the baby, I think that's the hard part is, like, man. I'm traveling I, all the way for 20 minutes yeah, to do the show. D- and do I really want to leave the baby? Right. right? You know, like, Bree and I are relationship it's hard leaving Bree but that's been our relationship our entire our entire relationship is like okay we we met each other in WWE and like sometimes we've been on different schedules sometimes we've been on the same loops all that kind of stuff but like it's hard enough leaving Josie man yeah and then like leaving this baby to, <laughs> and you know and then like you know you know there are a lot of times on Smackdown I don't I don't want to be on Smackdown very much I only want to be on it when it's absolutely necessary for me as the GM to be out there because Story I w- yeah, yeah I want the focus to be on the talent yeah but then so that means for like this last SmackDown I was in one one small segment on SmackDown and then I did Talking Smack and then I, but you leave on Monday morning and then you don't come back till Wednesday do I want really want to miss my baby although for two whole days how for- funny would it be if like you realized after you had the baby you're not nearly as good a guy as you thought you were and you're like oh this is actually really easy to leave this baby yeah like, do you, oh, know, do you is- know what if I leave this baby I get to sleep <laughs> yes. uh, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm really I'm really sorry but they're forcing me to go do this right. thing I, I, I just have to go Daniel you're volunteering to do the raw after show <laughs> yeah. you want to do the raw after show I, first of all I did not volunteer <laughs> to do the raw after show they just made me do it but that means i have to fly out sunday now and then i guess i'm gonna do the pay-per-view one too you know what they've just started they need me on live events you know like they have to have a gm on live events and yeah i mean really i'm only gonna be home two and a half days days a week but you know it's gonna be i'm making count though yeah yeah yeah. but i think they also know that for as much as i like to poke fun at raw Mm -hmm. like uh, I'm very positive about WWE as a company yes. because, uh, for example, like right now, Bree and I are both taking Spanish lessons, which WWE provides for us. Like we have a Spanish tutor that comes to our house, and like they provide college education. They pr- provide funds for people who want to go to college, which I'm in the process of trying to do all that. So, wow. Yeah. So there's all the so there's all these things that uh, you know I. I am when it, when I see something that I don't like, mm-hmm. I say it. But overall, it's a wonderful company to work with, and so that's. And I'll tell you this as I as I let you go, the animal style that you were demonstrating on Total Bellas, yeah, of, it works. I started doing it next to my dog, and the dog went nuts. Yeah, like okay, the dog so went nuts. I can tell you this: I was uh, wrestling backstage with Jack Swagger, yeah, and um, I was using my animal style. And although I did not take him down, uh-huh. I did. I was able to get him in leg lock position, although I did not tap him out by any means. It ended in a stalemate because he was also getting taped up for a match. But, but that said, my my animal style has worked very well with my grappling. So, so yeah. So there it is. Well, thank you very much, yeah. Daniel Bryan, and uh, good luck with whatever's coming next. And the yeah. kid, that's that's yeah. I guess that's yeah. what's coming. Good next, luck right? with this thing called the baby. Whatever. Bree was really concerned about that when she so. Uh, right before we announced she was pregnant, right before she announced she was pregnant, uh, Brie and Nicole did an interview with Sam. Like two days before. Yeah, yeah. Two, day, two days before, and Brie was very conscious about everybody just thinking that she gained weight because <laughs> nobody knew she was pregnant, and it's at that time where you're just starting to show a little bit, but everything looks bulky and baggy. And Plus, like, you know Sam's reputation. Hey, what'd you get fat yeah, over there? What's that, huh? What, even <laughs> eating a bunch of Twinkies? <laughs> Pizza? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, congratulations, man. Yeah, thank, thank you. you very much. Yeah, for sure. Here is Sam Roberts. Again, huge thanks to Daniel Bryan and Finn Balor, as well as WWE, for hooking up all those interviews for this week's podcast. Everything will go up at YouTube.com slash NotSam, as well as the Colt Cabana interview, as I said, from last week. 
Um, you know, before we move into State of Wrestling, it was five years ago this week that we lost uh, Patrice O'Neill. Patrice was a comedian. He was, uh, you know, I don't want to over-exaggerate and say a friend of mine, but a good acquaintance, I guess. We had a very good working relationship. Patrice was a regular on the Opie and Anthony show while I was producing it. Uh, we hung out socially in large group functions, you know, whenever there were show functions, like Anthony had a party at his house, or if we if we took the show on the road and Patrice was there or whatever, I got to spend time with him there, and every time he came in and did the show, I got to spend time with Patrice, and the reason that I bring it up uh, is because I think he deserves a mention, not only because of the impact he had on comedy, and just there should be some mention of him in every show, but he was the biggest WWE wrestling fan ever, and he wasn't one of these guys that just kind of watches and appreciates it. I mean, every time he did O&A, he would come in, and he would look at me as soon as we went, he would walk in the studio, put the headphones on, he'd start doing radio, as soon as we went to commercial break, as soon as the mics were off, he would look at me and he'd go, man, wrestling stinks, and he would explain everything that is wrong with the current WWE product. And, you know, he's the first person that I thought of when Monday Night Raw showed up post-draft because the first post-draft episode of Raw this year featured not one but two squash matches. James Ellsworth making his huge debut against Braun Strowman and Nia Jax also had the squash match on that first episode. And one of Patrice's sticking points, the reason why I watched that and thought of him is because I knew how much he would enjoy it. One of his sticking points, and he said this six, seven years ago, was that the WWE needed to bring back jobbers. And that was just to get, not only to get talent over, but so that we weren't seeing the same matches every single week and so that all the matches that we're paying for on pay-per-view we hadn't already seen on Raw or SmackDown. You know, this was, I think, around the time, if my memory serves me correctly, when Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton were having their feud and stuff like that was going on where it was great and it was well done, but every single week you'd see the match. And they're still doing it now. Just the idea that Roman Reigns won an opportunity to face Kevin Owens for the Universal title by getting a clean victory over Universal Champion Kevin Owens doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We've already seen it. In my mind, Roman Reigns should be champion, and that was one of Patrice's sticking points. He had so many awesome wrestling theories. Just to pick his mind about wrestling was so much fun. He he had great stories about He worked for WWE for three or four days. He was brought in as a WWE writer. He said that he didn't end up doing much. He was only there for three or four days, but he came in. He pitched them the pitch that got... They called him in. They heard he was a fan, I guess, and he's a comedian. So he went in for his interview and everything, and they asked him to pitch an idea. And he had some, like... His pitch was centered around the big boss man investigating people in WWE or something like that. And it ended up being good enough. that They didn't use it on TV, but it ended up being good enough that he got the job. And even in the three days, he had stories about seeing Vince McMahon nude. He had stories about going on the road. And and what did him in was he realized quickly that it was not a part-time job, that it was a full-time commitment, and he was very dedicated to being a comedian. And he said Stephanie McMahon had to fire him three or four times in over the series of one conversation because he just accepted it because they said to him hey we're going to need you this day and he said well I'm uh, you know I got dates I'm doing stand up that day not you know like I have stand up dates I'm doing comedy that day so you know I'm touring so I won't be there and they said well we need you and he said well I won't be there because I'm doing stand up and they said well well then we'll have to let you go we'll have to fire you and he said okay and they said all, all right well Patrice, you're fired. And he goes, yeah, I know, because I'm going to do comedy. I know. And they go, no, but we're going to have to let you go now. And he goes, yeah, I know. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> and then he, he was ready to go. He got he dipped his foot in. 
he got to see the you know he got to live in the circus for a couple of days and it was enough for him but uh to those of you that are not familiar with him i posted a link on my facebook and twitter page on wednesday and it was uh a link to an old opie and anthony show where bill burr and patrice o'neill were both in and i was there too and we were watching like wrestling blunders we watched like the Shockmaster blunder and a bunch of promos that had gone wrong and it was the funniest thing and just to listen to him laugh and how much he enjoyed it was so great to hear so uh, i recommend you going and checking that out and if you're a fan of stand-up comedy and you're not familiar with his work you're really missing out on something you're missing out on something huge so go and if you're not it's not too late if you're not familiar with patrice o'neill familiarize yourself with patrice o'neill because to me, I mean, he'll always probably be my favorite comedian. And maybe I'm biased because I got to spend some time with him, but I don't think so. He's just he's just brilliant, and any comedian that spent any time with him will tell you the exact same thing. So I just wanted to take a few minutes to acknowledge the late, great Patrice O'Neill on the five-year anniversary of his passing. He really, really was a, a very, very special mind. So check that out if you have the opportunity. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, check out the State of Wrestling, which will start right now. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. We are living in a world where people are famous for not much. And moreover, not, not famous for not much. I think that's not fair. That's not really the point that I'm going to make. But we're living in a time where you go online and you see these motivational quotes from people. Let's go attack this Monday. Hey, it's time to take this over. You know, early bird gets the worm. Cream rises to the top. Just all this stuff. And I don't know if it started with books like The Secret. I don't know what happened. But there is a culture that is formed that is based around positive affirmation. If you ask me, the key to being successful is, yes, knowing that you have the ability to do it, but is working, is just not even having time to think about whether you can or you can't do something. When I'm doing something, I don't think about whether I can or I can't, or whether it's going to be good or it's going to be bad, because I'm, I'm too busy doing it and figuring out how to do it. I think that the, the key to being successful is to... Push forward, keep working, work harder every single day, and keep learning how to do whatever it is that you're doing better. And that's how I try to tackle most of the things that I do in life. And, and that's, that's my philosophy on things. Listening to The Miz, or Mike Mizanin, whatever you want to call him, on Talking Smack, uh, when he did that sort of soliloquy, and I don't know if it's because I'm like Renee, like if I were hosting Talking Smack, I would want to have all my notes with me. When I do a radio show, I always have a bunch of notes. And sometimes I use them and sometimes I don't. But I've always got a game plan. I always know where I'm going. I segment things out. I, I, I know that if we can't think of a show on the fly, I've got one in my notebook ready to go. So there, that's my net, right? You know, when you do live television, live radio, you're going without a net. But the net is... The plan. If you go in with no plan, then yes, you're going without a net. But if you go in with a plan and you just stick to it, well, then that's your net. And whether it's good or bad, at least it's something. You're not going to go out there and just not do anything. Now, the culture around positive affirmations puts the emphasis on people believing that they can do it, not actually doing it. Right, like it puts the emphasis on the philosophy that the Miz was talking about on Talking Smack, which is waking up, looking in the mirror, telling yourself that you're awesome, and just going and being awesome at whatever it is that you do. Sometimes you're not awesome at the things that you do. Sometimes you need to learn how to do them. It's not to say you're never going to be able to do it, but you, sometimes you don't wake up awesome. Sometimes you wake up and you're garbage. You're crap. And you know what that means? You got to learn how to do it. You got you to gotta get better. That's the scary part is, is realizing how much work you have to do and putting the work in. 
The Miz puts the work in. The Miz, Mike Mizanin, I should say, puts the work in. Mike Mizanin has worked harder at this than just about anybody. Anybody. He has just pushed and pushed and pushed to make this thing work. And psychologically, the things that Mike Mizanin has had to go through uh, shouldn't be understated. The idea that you go from main eventing WrestleMania, regardless of how he got there, you go from main eventing WrestleMania, being right smack in the middle of a storyline with John Cena and The Rock. It's John Cena, it's The Rock, and The Miz is the guy that we're trusting in that third position. To go from that place to really not having much going on on the TV show at all, because that's what happened after WrestleMania, is jarring. And that's the type of thing that makes people nuts, and that's the type of thing that destroys people's morale, and that's the type of thing that destroys people's confidence. Now, you can't wake up thinking that you can't get something done. If you don't have confidence in yourself, then no, of course you won't get it done. But there's a big difference in having confidence in yourself and just simply relying on positive affirmations. Because The Miz talking about looking in the mirror on Talking Smack this week, he said he picked up Renee's notes and he said, you have all these notes, this is what I have. And he picked up his notepad and it just said, I am awesome or you are awesome, whatever it said. And he said he looks in the mirror and he tells himself that every day. I think that The Miz has the opportunity to take his character and it's the same character, it's just slightly tweaked. The Miz, If I'm The Miz, then every day I'm online and I'm talking about positive affirmations. The Miz, in my humble opinion, is in this position now where as a character, he can just be a guy who believes in himself. And whether or not in real life, he does the work. But on the TV show, he doesn't do the work. On the TV show, he, on Talking Smack, he's sitting there saying, I wake up in the morning and I piss excellence. I piss excellence. That's what he's saying on the TV show. I believe in myself and I'm the man. I'm talking smack. But on SmackDown and on the pay-per-views, we see him every time not able to win a match unless he has help from his valet, from his wife, unless he cheats over here. There's always some kind of scheme. I think The Miz needs to go full force on this idea that the reason he's quote-unquote as good as he is is because he believes in himself. Because how great is that? That's like the antithesis of like Hulkamania. Hulk Hogan would come out and he'd go, just believe in yourself and work hard and blah, blah, blah. Well, what if The Miz is a guy who is the example of the stereotypical millennial culture, which is believe in yourself and you don't have to work hard. As long as you believe in yourself... You don't have to work hard because what I get from the Miz's character now is that he wakes up in the morning and he looks at himself and he tells himself how awesome he is. And no matter what, nobody can convince him that he's not awesome. Great. But I think that character spends so much time convincing himself that he's awesome that he doesn't actually become awesome. He cheats to win matches. He wins at any cost. And that character takes a turn. If you start going in that direction, that character becomes ultra-relevant because he is the stereotypical millennial. He, he does have this sense of entitlement, and the entitlement is only based around the fact that he thinks he's awesome. Like there's not this body of work, and the body of work that is there is littered with asterisks. There's an asterisk next to every major win. I was the main event in WrestleMania. I won WrestleMania. I beat John Cena at WrestleMania. Yeah, but hey, I beat Sami Zayn at Survivor Series. Kalisto couldn't get the job done. Yeah, but look, I got the title back from Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, but you know, the fact that everything has a yeah, but is just this great contradiction to this idea that the reason he's so good is because he believes in himself. And that's where I think The Miz needs to go. I think 
there, I, I wouldn't talk about The Miz in any way, shape, or form in terms of knowing how to win. Because that's the original story, right? Well, you got to give The Miz credit. He wins matches because he knows how to win. He's a specialist when it comes to winning. No. Not if you ask The Miz. If you ask The Miz, Miz, is the reason that you win, are you a winning specialist? He would tell you, no, I'm not a winning specialist. The reason that I win is I believe in myself. The reason that I win is because I know I'm awesome. And I believe in myself. And you go, okay, and then you watch him win through the sneakiest, most conniving methods that you've ever seen in your life. It's perfect. It's everybody who wants to make a difference on the internet but doesn't do anything beyond hashtagging. You know, it's just every person who thinks that they're special and doesn't think they should need to put in the work. Now, I'm not talking about the man. Mike Mizanin, I will argue any day of the week the amount of work that guy puts in. I love The Miz as a person and what he's been able to do. And the fact that the, the true story, the true story of The Miz is of a guy who was told he couldn't get it done, but he did get it done. Now, how did he get it done? Well, we turn on the TV. He cheated. That's how he got it done. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Well, he learned how to bend the rules. He learned how to specialize in winning. He learned how to win matches. That's how he got it done. No, 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 no. Well, then how did he get it done? The Miz got it done because he believed in himself. I know that it sounds like it's kind of borrowing from the Bo Dallas thing a little bit, but number one, not anymore. Bo Dallas isn't doing that anymore. And number two, this is going from a completely different angle. I'm not saying the Miz needs to become a motivational speaker. I'm saying the Miz needs to represent millennial culture at its finest. If anyone on that roster, you can tweet me if you want. You tell me. Uh, at one point, it looked like it might be Tyler Breeze, but Tyler Breeze is more like a model than a millennial. You tell me one person on that roster that could better display, that could better be the quintessential millennial heel. The guy who just keeps getting things handed to him who doesn't appreciate anything and has this 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 aura this air of entitlement that follows him around everywhere whether it comes from his privileged upbringing or it's because he thinks like if I'm WWE right now then I'm going on Smackdown and the next time Daniel Bryan insults me the next time something happens that I don't like the Miz has to ask for a safe space. The Miz needs to have a safe space on SmackDown. The Miz needs to call out Daniel Bryan and Dolph Ziggler and whoever he's talking to and tell them that what they're doing is a trigger to him and that he needs to be warned. Even if he's not, I mean, how great would this be? The Miz isn't even involved in a segment and he complains to Shane McMahon or he complains to Daniel Bryan and tells them there was no trigger warning. There was no trigger warning before that segment. And I didn't know it was going to go that way. I need, I need to be warned of that. I need a trigger warning because it brings me back. Like, what if The Miz has a traumatic loss to, say, Dolph Ziggler or somebody like that? And then whenever he sees any wrestler do that move, let's say Dolph puts him out with a sleeper hold, right? And then he's in the back watching. And all of a sudden, Kalisto locks a sleeper hold onto somebody. Well, The Miz then needs to go complain and say, hey, I was watching the show. I was watching SmackDown here in the locker room. And Kalisto locked a sleeper hold on. You know that's traumatizing for me because of what I went through with my loss. And there needs to be a trigger warning. There, there has to be. Or, you know, somebody coming into his, his locker room to tell him he's got a match tonight. And him letting them know he had renegotiated his contract and that they were in a safe space now. So there would be no talk of that. How great would that be? They need somebody to, to obnoxious and relevant like that. And after watching Talking Smack, I said, The Miz is the guy. There's just, I love Mike Mizanin. I love The Miz. There's just something so naturally irritating about him that it, he lends himself perfectly to this whole thing. And it's something he can he can live up on social media. It's something that he can just go to town with. 
That's what I would do. That's 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 the next step for the Miz. Now, all that said, the Miz and Dolph Ziggler could very easily steal the show at TLC. The Miz and Dolph Ziggler. I was kind of done with Miz and Dolph Ziggler matches, but this being a ladder match, you know, both guys going in. Dolph is going in, always having something to prove because for so long he and everybody around him said that he was the future and he should be the main event guy, and it just never happened. And that's that train kind of slowed down a little bit. You know what I mean? That 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 call to action is not quite as loud as it once was. But st- and and part of that I think is because some people may feel that he never quite lived up to that idea. That that his potential wasn't realized. It came and it went. So now when he has the opportunity to walk in with somebody like The Miz, who obviously he knows very, very well and can has great chemistry in the ring with, and they get to do a ladder match, you know, I, th- I think that it has – this one has the potential. I'm excited. I'm actually excited to see a Dolph Ziggler-Miz match. And it's because it's a ladder match and it's because it's those two. And you know, they're wrestling fans. Those two are the guys that are going to want to go in and have their Sean Razor match because that's what they watched on TV when they were little kids. The same way at you, if you're my age, if you and I got the chance to do a ladder match, we'd be trying to do all the Sean Razor stuff. If we had a cage match, we'd be trying to do all the Brett Owen stuff. Like those are the guys who are going to want to do that stuff. So I'm very, very excited for that. Um, I, th- I, I personally think that it could be a show stealer. But man, while we're talking about SmackDown and TLC, when was the last time, you know, when was the last era of wrestling when we were walking into a pay-per-view and there were two women's matches, two divas matches, however you want to say it, two female superstar matches on the card and there was we were excited for both of them and there was a reason for being for both of them. Both sets of women did so well on SmackDown this week. Uh, I Carmella, the improvement in Carmella week to week on SmackDown is like jaw-dropping. You know, she was rough when she first got to SmackDown, and that wasn't that long ago. It was a couple of months ago. You know, she had to learn by doing in NXT. It was pretty obvious that she was learning by doing. And she comes up through NXT. She shows up on SmackDown pretty early, earlier than I think some people expected. And she's okay, but she's a little rough. But now uh, she's really coming to her own. There was that moment where she shut the audience up, where the audience was chanting how you doing at her, and she reminded them, how am I doing? I'd be better if I was any place besides this crappy town or whatever it was that she said, that moment that she turned the audience off and reminded them, hey, boo me, I'm a bad guy. You boo the bad guys, I'm the bad guy, give me some boos. And what did they do? You got it, lady. Boo, boo. Nikki Bella obviously has been an MVP as far as women wrestlers go for a long, long time. So the only pleasant surprise with Nikki Bella is how well she's hanging with this new group. That was the question on a lot of people's minds. When you've got a roster full of Becky Lynch's and Bailey's and Sasha Banks's and Charlotte's and all the NXT women, is that a farewell tune for the Bellas? And the answer is no. Nikki Bella is hanging in as well, better. Nikki Bella is better now that all those women are on the roster. And that's that's where you have a real champion. That's where you have a real superstar. Where you've got somebody that instead of getting... Somebody who was at the top of the heap. When a lot of skilled people come in. Instead of getting nervous about it. Instead of wanting to shut them down. She welcomes them. And she allows them to make her better. That's what's so important. And then uh, uh, Bailey... Uh, I'm sorry. Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss. The opening segment to SmackDown was great. And by the way, what makes it so special was that nobody was watching the opening segment and being like, wow, it's a women's segment. On SmackDown, they figured out a way to make them just segments because that's what they are. They're just segments on SmackDown. That, to me, is the big accomplishment. Not like, 
breaking new ground, not making history, real, really making history, a real women's revolution is when a women's segment becomes just a segment. And nobody was sitting there as if the Becky Lynch-Alexa Bliss opening segment on SmackDown this week was anything besides normal. Nothing. It was just a great segment to open the show with. And it was. Uh, Alexa Bliss's moment, first, it, it really seems like they're, they're pushing the boundaries a little bit with the attitude. You know, I heard the bitch word on SmackDown this week. I was impressed. I liked it. I liked it. What can I tell you? I liked it. Alexa Bliss's moment, though, where they're doing the promo and she goes, first of all, do not cheer for her. She's rude. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to, I was stuck to the ceiling. I was so happy. I was jumping up and down. It was great. I loved it. I loved the whole thing. And it's, it's, it's important, I think, to look at because Raw was very good again. Raw was a, it was a good Raw. And it's tough to grade on the same scale because even a good episode of Raw becomes difficult at three hours. It's not, it's, it's a long, long time to put on a wrestling show for. Uh, but it was a good show. It was two good Raws in a row. I thought the main event was great. You know, I, 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 I loved watching Charlotte and Sasha. Uh, at times, I feel like I should be tired of Charlotte and Sasha together, but I'm not. They keep mixing it up in different ways. Uh, I don't necessarily love the women's championship going back and forth. I don't love the fact that they're trading the title. But to be honest... I don't mind how it's being done. I don't mind that it's kind of shocking. It's going to be weird because I would imagine that if Sasha gets, I mean, if Charlotte gets a rematch at Roadblock, I would imagine she's going to win the title back because my favorite thing about this whole thing has been Charlotte's pay-per-view win streak and that she doesn't lose on pay-per-views. So if she does end up getting a women's title match on the pay-per-view, I would imagine... That she, I would think that she should win the title back, but I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't get the rematch on the pay-per-view if they start moving in different directions. But the reason they bring them up is because there's a big difference. I think Charlotte and Sasha are doing the most important work of any women on the roster right now. They're doing some of the most important work on the roster right now, period, male or female. But if we're just talking about women, the reason that I feel that SmackDown is winning that war is because of what I said, is because the Alexa Bliss, first of all, all the women on SmackDown keep improving, right? One after the other, they all keep improving, which is important. Second of all, it's what I just said. You've got a segment where it's just a segment. It's not a women's segment. It's not a men's segment. It's a segment, and it makes sense. You got two matches on a pay-per-view that you're both excited for and both make sense. SmackDown, somehow, without a huge roster, has created a women's division with real depth. If, no matter what, no matter who wins the women's championship, the SmackDown Women's Championship at TLC, whether it's Becky or it's Alexa Bliss, we're watching that knowing they could have a rematch, but there are both there are plenty of women for either one of them. Maybe Natalia is going to get a shot. Maybe Carmella is going to get a shot. Maybe uh, uh, Nikki Bella is going to get a shot. Maybe Natalia is going to be revealed as the person who took out Nikki Bella. Maybe, there's all these different directions that it could spin in. Raw has right now. And I know they've got Bailey, they've got Nia Jax, they've got Dana Brooke, they've got people, they've got bodies. But Raw has a two-woman division. Sasha Banks and Charlotte, while they're doing the best work of, to me, any female in the industry right now, the most important work anyway, they also are the only women on Monday Night Raw that are doing anything. Monday Night Raw has a two-woman division and that to me is not a show of strength to a division that to me is saying you may have and then maybe I don't want to go over the top I think people will get mad at me if I but you may have the Stone Cold Steve Austin and the rock of women's wrestling with Sasha Banks and Charlotte 
and you can trade, you know, you could put Stone Cold or The Rock to whoever won. I'm not saying one is Stone Cold and one is The Rock. I'm saying when you had Stone Cold and The Rock together, you had this tandem, these two superstars that revolutionized everything because they were both so good and they came in at the same time and they worked together and they worked separately and it was just so important and I think that that is the type of thing that is happening right now in the women's division with Charlotte and Sasha Banks. However, The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin had a lot of people right under them and all those people under them are Hall of Famers. You know, the, they had DX under him. They had Mick Foley under him. They had Chris Jericho under him. They had everybody right under him. Sasha and Charlotte don't. When you watch Sasha and Charlotte, you don't say to yourself, I'll bet the women could have a TV show all to themselves. You say to yourself, Sasha and Charlotte are great. If all the women were on one show... If they were all on SmackDown, if you had the SmackDown women's division plus Charlotte and Sasha, that's the revolution. That's what I've been saying since the beginning. That is the moment where you start looking at stuff and going, geez, the women could have their own show and it might be better than a lot of what we've got on TV right now. But that can't happen with a two-woman division. That's my only criticism of what Raw is doing with the women right now is, you know, and whether it's a matter of Bailey and Dana Brooke and all of them stepping up their game, or it's a matter of the way their stories are being told and are allowed to be told, I don't know. But something's got to give, because right now, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a two-woman division, and that's not the case on SmackDown. And I think that's important. It's just an important note to make. You know what story I'm loving right now? A couple of things I really liked on Raw. Number one, I was happy with the Paul Heyman interview. Um, and 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 it was just an interesting take from Paul Heyman. Uh, and I think that that can be expanded upon, and I think it will. Uh, but I was not surprised, because uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I was happy that it was made official that Brock Lesnar is going to be in the Royal Rumble this year. And again, me personally... I know the prevailing theory is it's John Cena versus The Undertaker, Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And honestly, I'd be happy with that. I'd be absolutely fine with that. That said, The Undertaker says he's coming back. We haven't seen him. I have not seen one soul collected or one whole dug, right? I haven't even seen the t-shirt be made with that phrase on it. So... I don't know. He may not be back until the Royal Rumble, which would make it tough unless he tries to... Maybe he'll defeat AJ for the world title at the Royal Rumble. But the only thing I have against the John Cena, Undertaker, Goldberg, Lesnar, WrestleMania is that it's very on the nose, right? Like, it is very on the nose. It's another one of those things where... Remember we were talking about, like, you know, people making predictions at Survivor Series or whatever. I don't remember when I brought it up. It was either last week or on the Survivor Series show. But it is, it is again, the people making those, like, here's what I think is going to happen, and it's what literally everyone thinks is going to happen. If you are, like, sitting there going, oh, you know, I think it's going to be Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Like, yeah, you and every single other person that's ever watched wrestling thinks that. Yes. But that's why it might not be. What if it's not? Goldberg winning, as I've said before, puts him into a new class. And I I personally would save the Undertaker-John Cena match until next year and make that the Undertaker's last WrestleMania. I'm sure he's got one more in him after this one. He's just got to suit himself up for one more match. And quite frankly, you know, John Cena can do a lot of the heavy lifting for him. But... I, I think this is all set up beautifully for a Goldberg-Cena match. That's honestly, and it might be controversial, but that's the match that I want to see at WrestleMania. I want to see Brock Lesnar fight somebody. You know, it might be that maybe it'll be the night for him to fight Kevin Owens because you know why? You know why a, a Brock Lesnar-Kevin Owens match would be so good at this year's WrestleMania? Because this year, we know Brock Lesnar can be beat. This year, we know it's possible. 
if this had, if it had been at Survivor Series, it's impossible. But now that he's beaten Goldberg, we know it's possible. Or Goldberg's beaten him. We know that it's possible. What about that? What if between now and the Royal Rumble, maybe at Fastlane, Kevin Owens loses his title? What if, he, what if, what if Roman Reigns becomes the Universal and the United States Champion? It's terrifying, but possible. What if Kevin Owens eliminates Brock Lesnar? What if we saw that? Then you've got a Kevin Owens-Brock Lesnar match. And Kevin Owens might win. What if Seth Rollins eliminates Brock Lesnar? I could believe that Seth Rollins could beat Brock Lesnar. What if The Rock comes back and we finally get our Rock versus Brock match? What if that happens? You know, there's a, I don't think it will. You know, The Rock is like on the cover of Sports Illustrated and he's, he's Sports Illustrated's sexiest man and People Magazine's sexiest man. I don't know what's more valuable, but I know that everybody thinks he's sexy as hell. So I don't think that he'll wrestle at WrestleMania. But what what I don't know what he'll do. There's a lot that could happen. And I think because we've entered into this world where so much can happen, to do the expected is a disappointment. And still, it'll be a great WrestleMania. But the last several WrestleManias on paper, from 30, 31, and 32, people have walked in with very low expectations and left satisfied, especially 31. I like that that WrestleMania. I like the idea of throwing some wild card matches at us, some matches we didn't expect, because that's what happens. You know, they, they, they give you something where it's obvious what's going to happen, like this Goldberg-Brock Lesnar thing. Okay, well, now it's obvious they're going to wrestle at WrestleMania. And then we don't get it. And the first thing we do is complain. But then after we're done complaining, we realize, oh, that was pretty cool. You know, that's kind of the cycle that it's on. And that's the, that's the cycle. I like that cycle. So that's why I'm a, I, I, don't, I wouldn't be for a Goldberg-Brock Lesnar rematch at WrestleMania. But hey. There are worse things that can happen, quite frankly. Um, the other story that I really like on Monday Night Raw, I really like the Sami Zayn-Mick Foley story. You know, so many stories feel put together hastily and and are just kind of right on the nose and, and you get beat over the head with them and there's just nothing to them. But I love when little elements come back. I love this idea that when Sami Zayn cut that promo at Survivor Series and told Mick Foley, Mick, you're the reason I got into this, we didn't think anything of it, really. We thought, like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Like, oh, yeah, I could see that, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of let that go. For two weeks later, for that to come back up in this argument where Mick Foley is telling him he can't do something, and Sami Zayn's like, remember I told you you were my hero, blah, 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 blah. It's kind of, and I know it's only three weeks, so it's not really that long-term storytelling. But the fact that those little elements were placed week by week by week, and who knows, maybe some more elements are being placed, is that's what I love in wrestling. And that's what's been missing for a little while. You don't really see that too often. Um, and I was really happy. I was really happy to see that. And I thought both guys did very, very well uh, with that. Uh, I you know I I I hope that the Goldberg that the Kevin Owens Chris Jericho breakup is done properly because I wonder now if it's too drawn out where every week they tease breaking up and then every week they're back together and back and forth and back and forth when it really happens it's going to lose a lot of its luster so hopefully that's not what's going on. You know, I really liked the parking lot segment. I loved this week that it wasn't just ring, fake office, ring, interview area, ring, fake office, ring, interview area. That they were in the bar with Sheamus and Cesaro, and they were out in the parking lot with Chris Jericho getting his butt kicked, and Kevin Owens was getting interviewed somewhere that looked like it was actually backstage, not a place with a backdrop and a TV where everybody can awkwardly stand and watch it. I thought that they did a really good job of creating an environment on Monday Night Raw this week. Um, and I, that really goes a long way in storytelling when you've got, an, when you've got a, a full environment that's being set up around you. Uh, and I think they did, a, they did a good job. And hopefully, 
Hopefully that will continue. I also like, uh, I mean, the promo, Mick's, when Mick gets so, Mick Foley gets so passionate about what he's saying that his teeth come out, that's when you know you've got the real Mick Foley. People, they were a little critical of poor Mick after the state of the WWE universe, mainly because that show was cursed because they kind of jacked the state of wrestling name from this podcast, let's be honest. But when I see Mick Foley screaming at Sami Zayn and his teeth are falling out of his mouth, and then Sami Zayn, it was just good. It was good stuff. It was good, good stuff. Um, we'll see what happens with James Ellsworth on SmackDown, right? We'll see. I, I, I was <laughs> James Ellsworth is so funny because, uh, and we've had him on the show before. If you if you have missed the James Ellsworth interview, then go back. It was before he got way before he got signed. It was when it's just a couple weeks after his debut on Raw. But go back uh, and listen. to All the previous episodes of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast are available, so you can go back and find that James Ellsworth interview. But I love watching him get beat up every week. I love watching AJ Styles injure him. Although I cringe so. Hard. You guys remember when James Ellsworth, it was one of his first SmackDowns, and he took the Styles Clash. And if you remember the way he took it, he didn't tuck his chin in. Or he did, like he's backwards. Yeah, so, so instead of leaning his head back, because you land face down. So you have to kind of push your head back so that the back of your head is as close to your back as you can get it. You know what I mean? Your chin actually has to be way up as opposed to most other moves where you're supposed to really tuck your chin to protect your neck and to protect yourself from getting a concussion. So James Ellsworth, just because he's not used to hitting the Styles Clash and because he's just used to doing things the other ways, he goes to his wrestling default, and he tucked his chin when he took his first Styles Clash, and it looked like he was dead. It looked like he was going to die. So when I saw AJ Styles tuning up the band... When I saw AJ Styles put him in the Styles Clash on that steel stair, I was like, oh no, not this move, not to this guy. He just walked into this. I mean, James Ellsworth is the guy who never should have made it. And you know he's going to get an action figure. He's got a t-shirt. He's got a contract. He's got it all. And you're giving him the Styles Clash on a steel stair? He doesn't know how to take the Styles Clash. Oh, I was, I, my eyes were locked. On the direction of his skull. Because I was like, bro, like, even if you, like, don't even bother tucking your, you don't have a chin. What are you tucking? You know, what are you tucking into your chest right now? James Ellsworth is the only guy that goes to tuck his chin and his teeth hit his chest. But I was like, oh, no, 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 not this way. Thank God he learned how to take that move, and I'm sure AJ must have helped him with it because... He appeared to be okay. I like him getting injured all the time. He's just kind of a nuisance, you know? He's a nuisance to everybody. He just gets himself hurt and has people lose matches. So I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with him long term or, like, what you would do with a James Ellsworth at a house show. Because if he starts winning matches, it kind of takes away his charm entirely. Um, so I don't exactly know what the long-term direction would be for him, especially since he has a contract. Because um, he's not the one 2 three kid. He's, you know, we've talked about this before. He's Colin Delaney. Uh, and Colin Delaney, the minute that he... I guess that's probably what will happen. At some point, this is why. Like, all you guys that are sitting there saying, turn Ellsworth heel, turn Ellsworth heel, give him the title. It's the worst thing you can do for him. The minute that you move out of this range of his character, the minute he turns heel, the minute he wins a title, the minute any of that stuff happenings, his career's over. He's done. He's back on the indies. That's what happens. Because we don't. Uh, nobody wants to see James Ellsworth doing anything. Here's what happens. James Ellsworth turns heel. Dean Ambrose kicks his butt, and he's back on the indies. There's nothing else for him to do after that. And he can't even go back to the indies because he's under contract now. If James Ellsworth turns heel, he will have another month, however long it is till the next pay-per-view, maybe, and then he'll spend the remainder of his contract in catering. So if you like James Ellsworth, you better hope that he does not become a bad guy anytime soon. And all the wrestlers that enjoy catering better hope that too, because he's going to have a lot of time sitting there and a lot of food to eat. 
I promise you that. Because that's what's going to happen. Everybody wants to see the James Ellsworth they have now. The one, two, three kid was a different story. It was just a way of, of entering in that character because the one, two, three kid was actually a phenomenal wrestler. You know, James Ellsworth is James Ellsworth. He's got two fists. But, you know, any man with two fists can win. That's me. <laughs> I would love to be. That's what I would write. For, I'd be like, James, you won the match. And he go, yeah. And I go, any man with two fists can win a match. Just just completely twist his, twist his whole catchphrase. Any man with two fists can win. Or fight. Any man with two fists can fight. What have you said? Yeah, but James, any man with two fists can fight. You're not special. What? No, that's not what I meant. What I meant was... Perfect. Perfect. All right, if you're not subscribed already, make sure you subscribe to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we got an interview every week. we got State of Wrestling every week. It's a great, great show. Go to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast, and make sure you please leave a review. It helps us out a lot. If you leave a five-star review, leave a comment on iTunes. Their, their top ten chart, the algorithm's all weird. It just draws a lot of attention to it when you guys start leaving comments on iTunes Start and, and always subscribe. Always Always, always subscribe. Uh, and again, go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsam. And uh, there is some wrestling stuff as well on the YouTube channel for my SiriusXM show, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, which is available at youtube.com slash Jim and Sam show. Uh, big thanks to Daniel Bryan. Big thanks to Finn Balor. And we will see you here next week for the official post-TLC Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.